the Pacifica Radio Network and from the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schock. You know, the underlying core of it is is that listening, for me, is an act of love. Uh, that's surrounding people with a total kind of acceptance, and psychologists use language like that, you know, uh, absolute or unconditional acceptance. There's something about that in a relationship when you provide that to somebody else that helps them grow and come alive and be healthier and relax and do what they can do. My guest is Jim Peterson. Jim is the former minister of the church I currently serve. He was minister at Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon for over 30 years, and I'm thrilled to have him as a guest. He's published the second edition of his book, Why Don't We Listen Better? Communicating and Connecting in Relationships. We're going to talk about listening and how being a good listener can change all of our lives for the better. Welcome, Jim, to Progressive Spirit. Great to be here, John. Now, this is the second edition of your book. You wrote uh, the first edition in 2007, is that right? 2007, yep. So how did you come to the decision to write this book back then, Why Don't We Listen Better? When I started ministry 60 years ago, I knew absolutely nothing about listening and counseling uh, and got panicky right away. So I fortunately found a guy who was a really good group therapist and counselor, began learning and continued learning all through my ministry. It wasn't about 10 years and I started teaching, another 10 years and I had materials developed for a book. Uh, I had always had ways of problem solving, figuring out kind of how to, three steps to solve this problem or that in communication or relationships and began to put that down. So I, over time, developed the material. Then I would teach the same material I had figured out. uh, And a few days later, I would use it in counseling again and polished it. Got to the place where I knew I had a book. So then, but I simply was not a writer. And to convert it to writing, I knew I couldn't do. So what I d- decided to do was to take a doctoral program where I'd spend a lot of money uh, and would be too, and tell everybody I was in it. So I'd be too embarrassed not to finish it and <laughs> get the book written. Well, one thing led to another, and by finally, after I retired in 99, uh, I watched my wife write a book uh, and then jumped right into, and about a year or two later, pulling it all together. Uh, a professor from Liberty Seminary and, and University in Virginia found my material on the website and asked to use it. So we sharpened it up, tidied it, sent it off, and he used it that way for a year. Then another year, we added more to it. Then another year, we added more. And finally, uh, in 2005 then, we guy got serious, put all the stuff that had been in my dissertation into it, uh, rounded it out, made it work and started sending it right away. And since then, we've gone through about 26,000 copies. Uh, And they use tons of them. It's used in a seminary for uh, Baptist pastors across the country in a master's in counseling program. Uh, And I am absolutely amazed that all this has happened. (laughs) <laughs> but you're, the book, uh, while even though it's used at Liberty University, it isn't religious as such. It's, no. I mean, you, it's uh, really a, a secular book for anybody. Absolutely. Uh, I r- was absolutely convinced that with all the classes and the counseling I did, I never asked what religion anybody was, uh, and I kept most religious language out of it because I wanted it to be useful for everybody. Uh, 
you know, the underlying core of it is, is that listening, for me, is an act of love. Uh, that's surrounding people with a total kind of acceptance, and psychologists use language like that, you know, uh, absolute or unconditional acceptance. There's something about that in a relationship when you provide that to somebody else that helps them grow and come alive and be healthier and relax and do what they can do. You talked about the idea of communication comes from the word commune. Yes. It's that building of the relationship. So uh, my question is, is if you had to give an answer in an elevator, why don't we listen better? What would you say? First off, courtroom communication is what we learn in this country. You can't turn TV on without watching people battle and attack and defend and courtroom stuff all over the place, not to mention the politics. Nobody listens to anybody. Uh, and that kind of argumentative, defensive courtroom style of communication is what we learn from we're, when we're growing up. Uh, we just don't, in effect, know no better. We don't know how to listen and understand people. What we know how to do is to argue. We're, we're, we're what I call ritual listeners. That is, people who, who wait for the other person to take a breath or shut up so that we can say our piece. And when you boil it down, we're all more interested in what we think and feel than in what anybody else does. And that gets in the way, along with the fact that we just don't know any better about how to communicate. So listening is somewhat, uh, what would you say, countercultural? Absolutely. It really is against the grain. And for people who want to learn it, it means giving up the natural responses that we've learned uh, because we've been taught to defend ourselves. And, you know, when you think of a war... Once the first shots have been fired, uh, attacking and defending are absolutely the same. You know, there's no difference. So if I am defending myself, what I'm doing is attacking you. I'm cutting into who you are and cutting you down. And if one of us wins and the other loses, in truth, in a relationship, we both lose. Listening is not only getting information, but it's also building a, a relationship of trust. Absolutely. One of my goals in listening is, is that you need to build a relationship so people can feel safe in that and, and then be more cooperative. Well, let me just take another side of it. What's in it for me if, uh, to, to be a good listener? Well, surprisingly, John, if you're a good listener, you learn things from people. <laughs> you get closer <laughs> uh -huh. to them. You feel more with them. You're ready to be in their corner and help them out. It really helped me to have to deal with a lot of really odd people uh, and find out that if I listened long enough, there were things in them that I valued and enjoyed and I benefited from. So listening benefits me by getting me more of you. And in fact, I think that there's something basic about human relationships. Uh, if I see deeply into you, I'm also seeing deeply into me, and we're going to reflect whatever is the image of God in us relationships, uh, thinking primarily perhaps of, of a marriage relationship, uh, it would be bad listening uh, one of the big reasons for struggles within a relationship, that if couples could learn some techniques uh, of listening better, that that might help? In the marriage counseling I've done, it's amazing to me, people will walk in who are having big trouble in their relationship, and the first thing they'll tell me is they listen really well. <laughs> you know, and, and I know right away that ain't true. Uh, if I let them go on their own and start to tell me what's going on, they will be fighting inside of two minutes. So what I do is I structure it and I say, look, we're going to take turns here. We're going to listen to one of you first, 
the other two of us in the room both going to listen and try to understand you. And to the one that I say, you're going to listen with me, I say, I'm going to help you do it. And I'm going to stop you every time you stop listening and start arguing. And so the two of us listen to the one person, and I help them do that. Then we go back to the first one, say, now you're going to listen with me to your spouse. and But she'll say, yeah, but I know he's wrong. <laughs> so wait a minute. <laughs> That's not a listener. You, We are now going to focus on what he thinks and feels. And anyway, anyway, where we do that long enough, that turns relationships around. And I've watched people go from ferociously angry to being in tears like, oh, my God, I had no idea you cared for me like that or loved me that way. You know, it's just it's amazing. And uh, those tears come from that connecting on the emotional level. Absolutely. That they haven't seen inside the other person for years because they've been so busy defending themselves and battling. And when you've got your defensive structure and hers both set up, you don't see what's inside people and you miss out on that. And that's a sad and terrible loss. If you're just joining us on Progressive Spirit, my guest is Jim Peterson. He's the author of Why Don't We Listen Better? Communicating and Connecting in Relationships. And this is the revised and expanded edition that just came out uh, in 2016. Now, your book is not filled with uh, scholarly jargon or uh, psychological theory so much. You use pretty friendly language, folksy yeah. language, yeah. Uh, homespun metaphors uh, that have come, as we talked earlier, from many years of yeah. listening practice and, yeah. and building and probably uh, from a few mistakes on your own, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> In fact, it's really easy, even if you're a, a listening teacher, to forget. You know, I just love it when, after a play, my wife says, what you think about that? And I get to tell her and how I react and how I saw it. And it feels so good for her to feed it back so I know she's heard it and understood it and is interested. And then we're driving on in companionable silence. And then she says, you forgot to take turns. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's right. What did you enjoy about the play? How did you see it? See, there's a kind of taking turns that, that is really important. You know, we learn that when we're little kids. You know, it's, taking turns is a great social way to get along. But when we get to be, be older, it gets down to winning and being first. And that's when we lose all this stuff. And talking about taking turns, you actually provide an aid for that, the, the talker listener card. So what is that and how do people use that? It's an A-frame card, a business card size with the role of the talker on one side and the role of the listener on the other side, both the do's for each part and the don'ts. See, for example, on the listener side of the card, it says advising or defending, you know, our, our no-nos because they're talking, they're not listening. It reminds you to focus two people on one point of view. And in fact, if you use the card, you can't argue because both people are focused on one point of view. Both are trying to understand it, figure it out, to figure out, for example, right now, if I were listening to you, I'd be saying, well, John, what, what did you mean by that question? Or I'd kind of help you think about it. And by the time we got finished with one round, we'd both understand how you saw it. Then we'd switch and it would be my turn. And we'd both understand mine. And if you work that way, the problems just simply are the ones you can resolve because you're working together. And so you would have people take the card and... and, and say, oh, just put it in front of you and say, let's take turns. I'll be talker first and you be listener or vice versa. Absolutely. I, I recommend people take it off to Starbucks or somewhere like that, set it down between and do a quick explanation to, to teach the other person so that you can end up having someone who is a listener who doesn't argue, give you advice, tell you what to do. 
or, or give you a hard time, but they listen, ask questions, help you think it through. And then you say, now, I'm willing to do that for you too. Let's turn the card around and I will listen to you. And, and so it's, it, it's just a whole different way to communicate. Why don't we listen better? Communicating and Connecting in Relationships is the name of the book. Uh, the author, Jim Peterson, is talking with me about it on Progressive Spirit. Why, let's talk a, a bit about some bad listening techniques. Uh, what are some things that do not facilitate the process sure. of listening? Oh, well, one of my favorites is when, when someone says, oh, I just discovered I have cancer, and the other person says, oh, I understand. And with I understand, there is a pushing away hand motion that in effect tells them, look, don't talk any more about it. I can't handle it now. See, I understand sounds like helpful, listening, wonderful, but in truth, it's talking, not listening. See, instead, person should say, oh, you just found out you have cancer. This must have knocked you over. Tell me about it. What's going on? See, so you go into it with the other person. And in fact, the truth is, even if you've had cancer, you don't understand what they're going through because this is brand new for them. You know, it's, it's just it's silly to say it, and it's not helpful. It pushes people away. Not a good thing. And it's about you, isn't well, it? Absolutely. It's what's going on with me. Yeah, it's not go, what's going on with the person with cancer. Mm-hmm. It's what's going on with me. So I'm trying to kind of protect myself. Uh, or if I give advice, if I jump right into giving advice, that's talking, not listening. Instead, I need to say, well, gee, John, you're having trouble with that. What have you tried? To see, I should help you think it through first, not jump in and say, well, you know, the truth is I'm really smarter than you are, and here's the, here's the correct answer, John. I mean, even though we don't say those words, that's the message we give when we give advice. Well, sometimes people with, within a counseling relationship, it may take a long time for even the counselor to learn that the job isn't about giving people the answer even if they ask for it. Yes. Sometimes people will say, well, the counselor's going to help us get this together. But really the role of the counselor or anyone with a good listening relationship is to help the other, to help disclosure come from the person who is being listened to. Sure. Yeah. As a counselor or, or a listening friend, my job is to help you figure out what's going on with you. It's, it's really fascinating when I've done that well, then people go out of the office and say, gee, thanks for all that help, Jim. And I think, you know, I never suggested anything for them to do. What I did was mm-hmm. to help them find the resources within them. Uh, a good listener is, does that. It, it's a little bit like being a, a midwife. You help to give mm-hmm. birth to something that they thought was there, but they weren't sure, and they needed help. But somehow you help them, and what comes out is, is kind of new and exciting. One of the things that I really picked up from your book that really spoke to me was who owns the problem or oh, yeah. who owns the issue. It's it's the uh, uh, recognizing and the listening that I don't. Uh, yeah. It's it's you it's yours yeah, yeah. to uh, solve to deal with yeah. to take on. You know, very often when we need to be in a role of listener, we think, oh my God, I've got to come up with solutions, answers, help, mm-hmm. advice, support in order to be helpful. Just as an example, when you get a call about a friend who's had a spouse die, the first thing people will say to me is, oh, my God, what do I say to them? And I say, don't say anything. Just get there. Don't let the fact that you don't know what to say stop you. Just get there and say to them, what's going on with you? How did this happen? How long has this been going on? You know, just help them share all of that. They need to go through that. If you walk in and know all the details, you already know what happened, 
you have nothing to ask. It's helping. It helps to be ignorant. <laughs> see, see, to go in and say, tell me what happened. How are you getting along? And don't expect them to know answers or, you know, you don't, some people will say, geez, I, I need to know what's religious to say, you know, I need to be a pastor mm-hmm. or something. And I, and I think, no, you don't. You need to get there because getting there lets them know they're not alone. And you can't communicate anything healthier or more beneficial to them than that. So don't wait till you have a potluck dish to take. It takes too long to get it ready. <laughs> you know, Just get there and say, oh my gosh, I just heard, I don't know anything about what happened, tell me. And they need to go through that something like 3,412 times to work through their grief. And so you'll be one of those. And ask your friends to go in and do the same thing. Just everybody go in, help them talk about it so they can begin to make peace with it, figure it out, and decide how to handle it. It seems to me that the metaphor, one of the metaphors that might be helpful is spaciousness, creating yeah. creating a space yes. and not filling it yourself, yes. but creating it so, so people can uh, yeah. be able to express whatever it is they need to do. Absolutely. One of my favorite sayings that I, that, that is one I'm very proud of is, is teeth marks in the tongue are one of the signs of a good listener. When I feel like I want to tell them something, give them advice, you know, throw something at them, argue with them, that's the time to bite the tongue and ask a few more questions and let them share with you rather than you telling them how you think it is. Jim Peterson, my guest, Why Don't We Listen Better, revised and expanded edition, uh, Communicating and Connecting in Relationships. Part of it is also recognizing a little uh, self-awareness. I'm not a particularly good listener when I'm stressed out or Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of things going on. When my brain is flat, I think, as you put it, Uh, talk about the flat brain theory. Oh, yeah. The way I picture people is down in the, in the emotion, stomach area, that's where I get hungry and emotion or energy. Uh, I put a round circle there, and when it overloads, it pushes up through the body. I put a heart function in the chest cavity, uh, a yin-yang squiggle in the center. You know, it takes two to tango. See, there's your view, there's mine. That's the part of us that kind of relates to people, can share what you think, can, re- can receive from other people. And then up in the brain, that's a square, kind of hard edges. That's not the personal part. That's the computer part of us. That's where we think, process, and all of that stuff. Okay. Well, when the emotional system overloads, it flattens that chest cavity heart into a brick. And so when I get upset, my ability to relate goes to pieces. Then it's my way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, oh, there's your way and mine, John. We can kind of work this out. We just get brick-like in our ability to relate. And if you think of that pressure moving up through the body, it puts pressure on the brain from underneath, pushes against the top of the skull, and it expands in all directions. Now, the brain itself, if you are under pressure to take a fast test, see, and that brain goes flat, the memory banks, the little chips bend, and you can't find the information you need or you can't remember people's names or, or anything like that. It just goes away. Also, if when you get angry down in the belly, then the brain you know, says terrible things like, John, you're the worst person I ever knew in my life. You know, later when you're calm, you realize, John, you're not the worst. I know six or eight worse. You know, your <laughs> perspective anyway, comes yeah. back. Yeah. Anyway, but it puts pressure on the ears from the inside. So you do not hear accurately. Say if you're depressed, what you hear is the world is awful, you know. Uh, and And if you're excited, then your eyes bulge a little bit. But what they see is all great stuff. 
It's like when I'm excited about a f- possible fishing trip to, to Alaska, Sally says, oh, well, um, <clears throat> that's an interesting idea. And what I hear and see is a person who wants to go with me, so I call to make airplane ticket arrangements. And you can imagine, we're going to have trouble after that because that's not what was going on. See, we see, hear, and think based on what's going on in our emotional system. And the one part of the picture when I draw that that I really like is that there's a lot of room for the mouth. The trouble is, though, the mouth is connected to a defective brain when, we're, when it's flat. And so we say things that are not useful. Uh, in fact, if a group of people who work together or a family kind of understand this the system one, it's very accepting. It's just we all get flat brains. You know, there's not like, you got one and I never do. It's we all get them. And we can kind of relax and say when somebody walks into the office, oh, I've got a flat brain today, we can give them some space or ask what they want to talk about it, you know. And, and so we can kind of relax about it. And, and if we talk it through, kind of get it out of our system, then, then the emotional system calms down. Our ability to relate works better. The heart function starts again, and the brain goes. When when we're really a mess and upset, then we have what I call a fat belly, hard heart, and flat brain. You know, and a lot of people we've run into these days are like that, (laughs) especially in the political field. Yeah, I can think of a couple. Yeah, we need to listen a bit to them. It seems what we might say go against our intuition that when we feel attacked that we'll attack back or we'll defend but actually that is probably uh, not as good for the relationship or for our own selves or even being heard no when you feel attacked i call that the thud experience it's like oh i've just been hit by something you know when you that feeling if you can convert that and say oh wait a minute that doesn't mean defend myself that means don't defend myself because if i defend me i'm attacking the other person that makes the relationship worse every time Instead, when I, when I feel that thud, I need to do a different thing with it, and that is to listen and say, oh, you seem pretty upset with me or bugged with me or angry with me or frustrated with me or something. Tell me more about that. I need to get use that as my guide. When someone on the street says, Jim, you didn't come and see me in the hospital, my insides go thud. You know? And what I wanted to do is defend and say, you didn't call me. I don't have a crystal ball. But instead I say, oh, when did that happen? gee, you must be pretty shaken or, or feel pretty bad that I didn't get to see you. You know, what's going on with your heart and all of that? See, I need to go into listening mode. Thud means listen, not defend. You know, couples, when they come in to see me for counseling, often first thing, what can we do to make our relationship better? Well, I know what that is. They can stop defending. But I don't tell them because then I'd be talking, not listening, and they're too upset to hear it anyway. So I need to listen to them for a while so they calm down, think straighter, function better, and then are ready, you know, and realize what defending and attacking does to them. And then I say, just stop defending yourself. Whenever you feel like it, go pick up the talker listener card, put it between you and say, okay, you seem pretty upset. Let me listen to you for a while, and then you can listen to me. And part of that is, again, going back to that whose problem is it? Oh, absolutely. Even when someone feel, it feels like, oh, it's my problem, I have to yeah. defend this, this yeah. thing. But it really isn't. No, it, not at all. No, in that situation, the problem is theirs. They're upset. That's the problem you need to deal with. So go deal with theirs first. Later on, after they've calmed down, think straighter and feeling better, then you can share where you are with it. But often, if you listen first, you don't need to ever get to that, you know, because the reason for it goes away. 
if the other person isn't very good at listening, perhaps, and you're learning some basic skills, uh, can you can you do it without the other person's cooperation? Yes. If you change how you listen to people and how you treat them, they will change too. Maybe not as much, maybe not the same, but if you change, that's half of the mix. And, and so the mix becomes different. So it is absolutely worth learning it on your own. The best possible for a couple is to read the book out loud together. If you agree you're both going to read it, one of you is going to be a faster reader, the other is not, and you're going to have fights over who cares enough about the relationship to read it, who doesn't, and all of that. And I don't want you fighting over the book. Well, I'd rather have you read it out loud together. Then you can hear the, the, the ways of saying things that work and the ones that don't. And if there's something in the book that you get mad about, you can get mad at me. You don't have to get mad at each other. I'd rather you didn't fight with each other. Uh, so... We just have a couple of minutes left, but if, if for folks who are listening, is there a technique or, or a listening technique or advice that, that they could start right now even before they've read your book? Yes. Listen first, talk second. When any relationship you enter, have in mind that you're going to find out what's going on with them first before you talk about what's going on with you. Now, see, both are important, but start with them. If you do that first, then they will have a be more able to listen to you. Jim Peterson has been my guest on Progressive Spirit. He's the author of Why Don't We Listen Better? Communicating and Connecting in Relationships. How do they get a copy of this book? Uh, website, our website, Peterson with an S-E-N, publications with an S dot com. In fact, if you go on our website, uh, I can send you a free download of dinner table listening game to practice with your kids. If you listen to the kids, they'll listen to you. It's a game that they can play together and it's fun. All right, great. Jim, thanks so much for being with me today, and thanks for this important book. You bet. Great to be here. You've been listening to Progressive Spirit. For links to podcasts, go to progressivespirit.net. Progressive Spirit is heard on various radio stations through the Pacifica Radio Network. I'm John Sheck. Be well. Be well.